0: Hello and welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is a conversation with Orla O'Dwyer. Orla is playing in the AFLW with Brisbane Lions at the moment, having played both Camogie and Gaelic football at an inter-county level with Tipperary in the past she has one grand final victory to her name with the brisbane lions last year they lost out in the preliminary final but she was named in the all australian team last year the first irish woman to ever be named and the first irish sports person to be named in the all australian team since jim steins in 1993. So, Orla is obviously an elite athlete, playing at the highest level and playing extremely well, but she is coming back from a shoulder injury at the moment. She just had shoulder surgery, so we talked about her rehabilitation from that surgery. We also talked about how the girls are getting on in their preseason training, what she's doing to make her body feel its best for the start of the season, so they can hit the ground running and go and win another grand final. As well as that, we talked about the differences and the similarities between Gaelic Games, the GAA and AFLW. We talked about the physicality of the AFL and how she has found that transition from Gaelic Games over to the AFL and how she thinks the GAA would benefit from a little bit more physicality similarly to Aussie Rules. We also talked about how close they are as a group with the Brisbane Lions, as well as that, how she has moved from a bit of a mentee to as more of a mentorship or a senior role within that squad. This is a great conversation, guys. Two Tipperary heads talking. As usual, obviously, it's going to be a good conversation. I hope you all enjoy it. It's a great one for any young Gaelic footballer, young camogie player, any sports person whatsoever if you do enjoy it please remember to like it share it and send it what is up guys this podcast is kindly sponsored by sam portland's sports speed certification now that is a tongue twister sam is rolling out the certification with the goal to help athletes to find the information around speed coaching and how to implement the practices to improve your athlete's speed over time Sam is also offering all PD Performance listeners a 15% discount on the certification. Just use the code PDPSPEED and message Sam over at sam at coachsportland.co.uk or message him on his social media channels which are at coachsportland. What you will get access to is all of the materials, videos and guides and tools of how to make your athletes faster. Those are all available online. You will also get access to a free live event Sam is going all over the world putting in live events and Delivering presentations to a number of coaches, that is included, and you'll get 15% off the whole lot. As well as that, you'll get a one hour long coaching call with Sam four weeks after the event to follow up so that he can help you to implement the strategies with your athletes and perfect your speed coaching process. So, once more, that is PDP speed is your code. Message Sam, get on board, and I hope to see you all at an event. Season 2 of the PD Performance Podcast is kindly sponsored by Output Sports. Output Sports make athlete testing and monitoring simple, portable and efficient. Their single sensor tool enables the measurement of over 160 exercises spanning agility, speed, power, mobility, reactive strength and much more. The tech is utilized by the FA, Leinster Rugby, Limerick Curling and your very own PD Performance, to name but a few, but also gyms, clinics and schools around the UK and Ireland, and they're now branching out into the States as well. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 5% off with the code PT5 p-e-t-e-y-5 so get onto output sports as soon as you possibly can because i am achieving great things with my sensor that i've been using so far this season i've had great buy-in with my athletes and i've been using it myself too and i gotta say it's a lot of fun so contact output sports with code pt5 to avail of your discount Orlo Dwyer on the other side of the world, welcome to the PE Performance Podcast. We had a minor technical difficulty there at the start, but it is great to have you on and hopefully we have no more. But as always, when we have someone from Tipperary on, I can start with, well, kid, instead of the formality. So how is everything going in Australia? You have your sweater on, you're deep into winter mode at the moment over there by the looks of things.
1: Yeah, um, I suppose thanks for having me on, it's well overdue at this stage, um, but I know it's pretty cold over here, I'm kind of jealous looking at um year weather at the moment, but hopefully we're heading into spring soon, so it might get a bit warmer.
0: What is it like at the moment? I saw that the weather in Brisbane is pretty rainy at the moment, but it doesn't rain too often, but from what I hear anyway is when it rains, it properly rains in Brisbane. <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. We've we've been lucky enough um, the last while, I suppose. Summer is kind of more of a tropical season where it rains more, but um, it's just been really cold in the mornings and evenings when we're training. And um, we're used to, I suppose, sweating in 30 degree heat um, most pre-seasons, but this one's a bit different. We're layering up. Um, but yeah, it's a different experience, but we're getting used to it.
0: So you touched on there that you're training a couple of times in a day, like a pretty high frequency is the weather playing a part in those trainings? Is it a little bit harder to get up for those early morning sessions when it's bucketing down and rainy or are all the Aussies saying to you, you should be used to this, like get on with it.
1: Oh, they, they think I should be used to it, but um, they haven't realized I've been following summer around for the past three years. So I'm not used to it at all, but um, yeah, no, it, it, it has been good. We're training. Um, We kind of do three field sessions. So two of them are the evening and then one is Saturday morning. And, then two gym sessions as well um which are obviously inside so so they're fine but yeah a bit of a struggle getting up um Saturday mornings nice and early um and the same in the evenings as well we kind of con- condense the sessions so there's less talking during drills so people are staying warm and under toes so um but it's but it's been good and the girls are getting used to it and yeah training hard as usual.
0: But I'd say you can't wait for the weather to change so that you're coming close into your spring and summer because obviously the season's starting in August and then running probably into November, is it? Um, or the end of October. So by the end of the season and when you're into the business end, essentially it's going to be getting pretty warm again, I would say. So it's completely different uh, scenario that you find yourself in at the moment.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what we're looking forward to as well. Um, This pre-season as well is obviously a lot shorter than usual ones. So um, it's flying by. And yeah, as you said, we're starting the end of August. Round one and goes right up hopefully until the end of November, I think, is the grand final. So be pretty, pretty hot then. So um, yeah, looking forward to that. We'll probably see a good few body warmers in the first few rounds, but I'm sure they'll disappear as we go on.
0: Absolutely, and you touched on there that the pre-season is shorter than usual. Have you found any differences in the intensity of the pre-season then because it's a shorter window or have they been looking after you pretty well in that it hasn't been that dissimilar from other seasons that you've had or other pre-seasons?
1: Yeah, I suppose the the first thing really is we didn't get much of an off-season. We had a quick turnaround. I think we had about six seven weeks off um because we got to a prelim final and then it was kind of rolling right back into it so um the staff were aware that a lot of us um didn't have much of a break so i think they were trying to find the balance between training at a very high intensity but also hoping that the girls didn't burn out or get injured as well so um intensity has really um risen a lot this pre-season we're probably not doing as much volume as we usually would but the intensity is a lot higher and we're Doing drills at a lot faster pace and conditioning is a lot more sharper, faster. And as I said, um, training at more of a max velocity, which I suppose is what we want to get at the end of the day. So feeling fit and strong, which is good heading into the season.
0: How's the shoulder feeling then? Like, did you have any sort of a lead in? Did they manage you slightly differently in terms of your progression up to that higher intensity because you obviously had the surgery in the off season so are you feeling like you're back to your best yet or are you still kind of keeping on keeping tabs on that prehab rehab that you have been doing the whole time
1: yeah they the I suppose physios and staff have have been great um the one thing they really do focus on here is making sure when people are in rehab rehab that everyone has an individualized program and they kind of go off how the players feeling um more functionally as well so um yeah it's been kind of I suppose a very different pre-season for me um being in the rehab group which no one likes being in um but yeah I suppose I'm lucky enough that with pre-season it majority of it is just buddy skills and also running so I was able to run um which is great so I got a lot of that in and um still doing a bit of um condensed training and and not in all the drills but we're getting there and they're kind of bleeding in the contact um as we go as i as just had the surgery mid i think it was mid april so um but yeah i've great trust in the team and um they're doing their best to get me back for um round one hopefully
0: i can remember you had the surgery as well because i messaged you the day of it i had no clue you were going in i was like oh jesus sorry I didn't mean yeah. to ask you when you're in a, in a hospital bed somewhere after being sedated yeah. for a while, like, and I'm badgering this one to try to get her on a podcast, but it sounds like they're using a pretty rational approach and a progressive approach to getting you back to contact. How is your confidence at the moment in that lead in? Like you said, you're kind of going a little bit more extensively with the contacts now. Are you finding your confidence is rising gradually as they start to bleed that stuff in?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, um, I think that's a big thing that will come down to the end. In the end is that kind of confidence with my shoulder and knowing that um, it is stronger than it ever has been. But yeah, I think that's why they kind of lead you into contact. And I'm doing all the drills now as well, which is good. And getting into the main group as well, which is, I suppose, the end goal. Um, um, But yeah, it's going well. Um, I'm hitting the trainers around, knocking them to the ground and, I suppose, trying to just show that it is OK and, and get those knocks and know that it probably will be a bit sore um, just getting used to it again. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's going good. Um, and I suppose I'm lucky enough to have such great staff and girls around me as well that are pushing me, but also um, keeping an eye out too, which is good.
0: It sounds like you do enjoy the one-on-one aspect of the what the therapist and the physiotherapist give you because I've heard you talking before about that was a little bit foreign to you when you came in the focus that they put on your prehab and back then you weren't talking about rehab at all but unluckily enough now you're talking about rehab so it sounds like it's benefited you a lot that one-on-one kind of aspect to it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the um, beauty of playing a professional sport really, is that they do have these resources and they can take that time out to just make a plan for Orla or just make a plan for someone who, let's say done a knee or just make a plan for someone who pulled a hammy or whatever the injury may be, um, and that there's lots of those resources available. Um, I remember when I when I did do my shoulder, we were, it was a game in Perth, um, so we were obviously away and we flew back that Sunday and that Monday morning I was in getting an MRI that Tuesday. I had seen the surgeon that Wednesday had a decision about what I was doing. So I love the way it's all very quick and everything can be done very fast. Um, but that's just, I suppose the way AFW is and they can get the player, they can get the resources and, and they have the money to do that, which is great. And, um, I really like the individualized programs that they do as well. Um, so I suppose, yeah, as, as, as it's, as I said that no athlete is the same. Everyone is individual has strengths and weaknesses and they're really good at working on what those players weaknesses and strengths are, um, which is great.
0: So then have you had a chance to kind of focus on developing and improving or ironing out a few of the, those weaknesses that you just talked about because you've been afforded the more time to yourself and to train by yourself and the more one-on-one time with the therapists or physiotherapists?
1: Um, Yeah, definitely. And I think a big thing for me this year, especially, was um, not going back home to play a G.A. season, camogie and football like I usually do. Gave me that bit of extra time to, I suppose, have a rest, which I never usually do. And also keep up um, AFL skills. Usually when I go back um, to Ireland, I I don't touch um, um, a footy for a while and I just focus on the round ball and focus on um, Tipperary and, and playing with them and giving them my all and then I come back and try I'm kind of playing catch up a bit in pre-season as well so to have that time to kind of work on um my kicking and handballing while being in rehab and also keeping up my fitness and strength um I suppose has been great for me that way um which is good and and staying in Australia and doing that was um I think worked out well for me so as I said as well, like having access to the physio in that off time and and like Greeny, who's Australian conditioning guy as well, has has been great. So I suppose there is kind of um um a good thing about that too.
0: It sounds like you made a decision to look after yourself for once, rather than <laughs> trying to make and keep other people happy all the time. But you just spoke about there earlier about doing the shoulder against Perth or injuring it against Perth, and yeah. Like obviously there was a number of games after that. So did you feel like you were carrying it for the rest of the season and you couldn't quite give a hundred percent? And if you were, imagine what you could do this year because you got in the All Australian team last year and you're carrying a shoulder injury.
1: Um yeah, I think um as as you said like it it was a lot of that confidence thing. I knew when I did do my shoulder that um it it, it actually wasn't at risk unless I did it again and again multiple times with dislocation. So. Um, for me it was just about training um, and modifying my game in a way that I don't put myself in those risky positions and there was a lot of talks I suppose with risk versus reward at the end of the day and what would be the best for me as an actor not just the best for the team right now so but I I, I I pressed I wanted to play every game and I wanted to get out there as soon as I could again and um, so I just was very persistent with that and, and kind of did everything I, I could, all my rehab exercises, um, my strength testing, my tackling, and I suppose just, just tried to prove to the coaches and physios that I was okay and it wasn't taken away from my game too much. And lucky enough, I did get to play a round 10 game and only ended up missing one game round nine, played round 10, played semifinal and prelim final and got through that safely enough. And then had the surgery um so yeah i'd be interested to see this year what what it'll look like um and getting back into it but uh, yeah i'm definitely excited
0: i'd say the easiest way to give them (laughs) confidence in yourself by what you were saying earlier is to knock them over in these drills (laughs) that you're saying Uh, (laughs) um because they'll know then that your physicality is there and it's still present but yeah like You're known in the AFLW for being quite physical and getting a number of dispossessions in each game. So when you talk about limiting your scenarios that were high risk, I would imagine it wasn't limiting the scenarios or refraining from entering the physical kind of scenario on the field. It was more in training. You were reducing your volume of high intensity physical efforts. Would that be fair to say? Or am I completely off?
1: um yeah so, so, yeah I would kind of say that and as well in AFLW I kind of play on the wing um a wing role so you're kind of um like that kind of midfield role with GA whereas I'm not playing on ball I'm not in the action in which I suppose all that tackling and that kind of high tempo acceleration deceleration and lots of physicality being on the wing you kind of get more of um, a leeway to kind of do that hard running up and down which I love doing but also not be involved um, with the tackling and contact as much but I think naturally enough when the game kind of starts and you see the ball in front of you and walk over the white line you kind of forget about everything that's going on and you kind of just play your game naturally and I think that's what I what I did do and had to do um I was probably overthinking overthinking my injury the most in warm-ups when I didn't have a footy or warm-ups and also in training whereas when you get over the line and start playing you kind of just go naturally into um that competitive mode and just try and do the best for your team
0: so then obviously you've played a number of seasons now but you're talking about playing naturally there the contact side of AFL did that come naturally to you or was there a little bit of apprehension going in from the GAA given that there is quite a difference in the amount of contact that's allowed in the two sports.
1: Yeah, definitely. I always have um I always have this little um um talk with my head coach and I I we always say that in my first year I kind of I feel like I was more watching the I, I was lucky enough to play all the games, but I feel like I was kind of more watching from the fringes and seeing everything happen and, and didn't get involved as much. Whereas my second and third season I kind of threw myself in it a lot more and I was probably playing more of a position that was more natural to me. And I think once you get tackled once, um, you don't forget that tackle. And you quickly realise that AFLW, they can tackle you from all angles and any angle as well. So you kind of get to do the same too. So um, I think having that kind of natural speed and being able to um, close in on on players um, is what kind of um, helps me to tackle a lot. And even now I'm only properly learning how to tackle correctly. I was kind of just winging it for the last kind of two seasons. You were doing all um, right.
0: That, we're gonna...
1: Yeah. Um. It's not only till this year where I'm kind of learning more about technique and and proper way, I suppose, of tackling, which which is good. Um. I suppose. Um. More safer too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. And. But when you're going into the game then you're saying about playing naturally it sounds like maybe you're told to go out and are you given very much kind of a free role, or do the coaches give you specific focus points and specific metrics to hit in each game because you do have quite a well-rounded game like we're just talking about dispossessions tackling etc yeah. but you're not afraid to get a goal as well and you've got quite a few as well and very important ones over the last couple of seasons which probably contributed to you getting selected in that All-Australian team at the end of last year and contributed to a team win the year before last as well in the Grand Final
1: um, Yeah, I think we all have line coaches so there's one for the backs the mids and the forwards and they all have I suppose what they want each player to to do and how to perform and um, and then I suppose with your run and runs, or how the game turns out, you might get in good spots to have these shots and goal. Um I know some games I played very offensively and end up scoring a goal or two, whereas other games I ended up playing very defensively just the way the game went and, and didn't get near the forward 50 as much. But um I think it's just the nature of the game, the opposition you're playing, who you're playing against, and everything ties in that way as well. But um for me personally, I think the more I'm kind of getting experience in the game and the more games I am playing um the more I kind of can test out and see how things work and I suppose if I do something and it turned out well that you can do it again or sometimes you might do something that might turn out well and you know not to do that again and it's all just a learning experience and I think that's I suppose how I build my game just by playing these games and I suppose by asking the questions to coaches and teammates and also just trying it out for yourself.
0: So with that experience that you've been gaining over the last few years, do you find now you're getting more into your stride and you're finding yourself in the right position more often than you were, say, in previous years? And as well as that, are you finding that you're a lot more efficient with your energy on the pitch now? You're not just running around like a mad joke as you might have been in the first year.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I as you, that's why you say that in my first year, I, I think I was probably doing one of the highest pays on the team, but I, I felt like I probably got, like, I'd say even quarter of the disposals I get now, but it's just interesting, yeah, I, I think like I was doing that pointless running at the start, whereas now you quickly do learn, and you kind of learn about your teammates as well um, from playing with them a few seasons, they're running patterns too. Um, And yeah, as you said, with the positioning at the wing, there's certain ways of setting up with stoppages and, um, with ball ups and I think I'm still learning that I, I look back at clips and I, I could be on the complete wrong side and, and at times but yeah it's definitely a learning experience and have the girls out there and talk you through it which helps a lot but I'm hoping that each season I can get better at it and I suppose my knowledge and IQ of AFL can improve as well by even watching the men's games which are on at the moment as well and a good few of us go to the, to the Brisbane Lions ones and, and see how they set up and you kind of out players that kind of play similar positions to you and see what they do and you're kind of constantly always watching it and learning from things while you although you mightn't even realize it at times
0: yeah and and the more exposure you get to the game the better you'll get at i suppose at reading the pictures in front of your face when you get out there but i heard (laughs) you speaking before about when you first came over you felt like you were asking silly questions at times that everybody knew the answers to but you but it sounds like there now from what you're saying that you're not afraid to ask questions of your teammates and your coaches and that's helping you to gain more experience has that been something that you've got more comfortable doing as over time or have you been just continually badgering them with questions since you landed
1: no, definitely, um, and I I suppose I'm we're lucky enough here at Brisbane Lions that all um the coaches and girls are very approachable and kind of there's no real kind of silly questions per se, but um I think um they probably um coming over from Ireland they probably don't expect the kind of questions and they actually have to think about the answers at times because they probably never get asked those questions that um when it comes to game scenarios or ways of setting up or they might use lingo that I've never heard of before I remember that happened a couple of times in my first year and I might even know what it is um so it kind of keeps them on their toes as well with which I think is great um yeah, I suppose as I said the more I play and the more I get used to it um the more you kind of pick up on little cues and and, and tips like that and I think now even coming into my fourth season I'm a lot more vocal than I was in my let's say first season and two which which is huge for me and I think having that kind of intensity and voice by not just a few players but a lot more players now um, definitely drives the standards of training and you can definitely see that um, this year in, in the camp.
0: When you first went in then, did you have specific players and coaches that you went to with these questions that kind of mentored you? And then it sounds like from what you're saying there, you're getting more vocal. Are you seeing yourself transition into a more senior role within the squad now and you're going to be helping some of the rookies along, even if you do feel like you can't offer the same experience that maybe some of the other girls that haven't playing the sport for 20 years can?
1: Yeah uh yeah it's definitely um interesting um I know my first year I, I depended a lot on our head our head coach Craig um did a lot of extra kicking sessions with him and just getting used to the rules lots of sit-down meetings with other line coaches about ways is set up and how I even play my role at that time I was playing in the half forward line and yeah you'd go kicking with with lots of different girls before training and you ask them questions too but um for me, I think it was, yeah, just kind of throwing myself in it. And I think there was no real expectations of an an Irish player coming out trying to play W. But me personally, I, I knew myself that um, I was capable of it. And I had that competitiveness that I wanted to do well in everything I did, even if I hadn't done it before. So um I kind of, I suppose, having that competitiveness and having that kind of, urge to get better and, and keep working on these skills um is what really I suppose drove me and I suppose wanted me to get better and better every season. Um, so I think that was a big part of it. Um, and even now as you said with the voice um I think coming into it my fourth season, you kind of see these younger players and I um, come in like 17, 18 year olds and you realise that you're actually one of the older ones nearly on the team. So um, you just think about how daunting it was for you coming in at that age. Um, and I suppose coming into a new group learning how to play a role and learning what way different players um, play as well was huge so it's just trying to make them feel welcome and help them out in any way you can
0: Yeah, absolutely and that's how a team functions as well by by helping everybody along and you touched on there that the team had no expectations on you or the coaches etc but they had very little but it sounds like you had serious expectations of yourself and that would be similar I would say to some of the rookies coming in the 17 18 year olds that you just talked about so did you set any goals or, or set any specific goals going into your first season or was it very much I'm going to go over and see how it goes because it sounds like you were quite diligent with your skill work and trying to develop yourself as a player in your own time individually so there must have been something else driving that as well
1: yeah, I think, well, I, it was really eye-opener for me coming over at the start. Um, I remember going to one of the skill sessions and um, just looking at these girls to sip the ball around and I was still struggling how to even hold the ball in my hands and try and drop it to my feet. Um, and I felt like I was miles off them, but I think you just have to break it down and kind of see how much you progress week by week um, in that way. And, um, naturally enough, um, being a good runner and being physically strong, um, I knew that I – I do well with the conditioning and gym work, which, which I, which I actually found and was hard, but I felt like I got through it and, and was happy with that. And I knew that it would come down to my skills at the end of the day. And even just the IQ of the game, um, they have rotations which are different and the timings of coming on and off the field and where to set up. That was probably the hardest part of my first year. And I've said it before in other interviews that I was, you're coming from playing an elite sport back home where you're a dual player playing camogie and ladies football um, and have been playing it for years and you're coming out to play a new sport in a new team and you're kind of the one messing up the drills or you're kind of starting at the bottom of that ladder again and trying to build up respect and trust within the team and also be good and not break down drills and games. Um, so it was definitely daunting. Um, but as he said, like, I suppose anyone that gives up their life to, in Ireland to come out and play a new sport would have to have some sort of competitiveness and, Um, know that they are going to succeed and do well so I think I just kept my head down and tried to work as hard as I could and kind of see what the other players were doing and kind of copy them in a way and and learn as much as I can
0: So from what you've said there it sounds like the tactical and the technical elements of the sport were probably the biggest challenge coming over you had the physical and the psychological definitely being so competitive and we've already touched on the tactical and how that's developed Over time, in in terms of your positioning and how efficient you're being on the field, but in terms of the technical aspect, like you must have had to put an awful lot of time in at the start to develop those technical skills, and it sounds like the the coaches gave you that time as did the players. Was how crucial was that, and how much time did you give on a weekly basis, or were you kind of winging it, and then? Do you still keep on, on top of those individual technical skills yourself? Because I've seen some videos of you doing some technical skill work with the coaches. And it's obviously something that is so important. And a lot of younger players kind of neglect. They just kind of turn up to train and whatever the sport, whatever the coach, and they just do whatever is there at training. Not many actually take the time to say, I'm even going to give 15, 20 minutes here before we start training. How important is it to do the, the, to put in that extra work?
1: Yeah, it's it's so important. And even when I go back home now and I talk to I suppose younger groups or, or younger girls about um getting better at Camogie and football, I always kind of harp on about practicing outside of training. And I didn't realize that until I was twenty one and I came over to Australia. Um, and it's not just about. I think what made me really realize it was you're training only a couple of hours, um, maybe every every few days, and out of the whole week how much time did you spend working on those skills um is what I looked at so we might be training maybe 15 20 hours a week but there's so much more hours um each day so for me it was just about um getting being at first of all being at training early and getting out maybe half an hour earlier a lot of girls do that and we do some craft we might do some kicking left and right do handballs and just keep getting repetition in and then after training we might stay on a bit longer and do some more and But I suppose the flexibility of um, being semi-professional, some of the coaches are available throughout the week as well. And you can meet up with them. And a lot of the players now, especially um, with the pay rise in in AFLW, um, have pushed back on their work. So they're not working as much. So we get to meet up and and do some more skills as well. And I think that was a big part of my off season this year. Um, As much as we did running sessions and did gym sessions, we also thought it was really important to do skill sessions. So, I suppose a couple of times a week, there was about seven or eight of us who met up and just constant kicking, handballing, um, marking, leading, all that kind of skill um, work and technical side of things that um, needs to be kept and topped up in order to um, get better at. So yeah, a big, a big part, part of it for me was not what I actually did in training, but actually what I did outside of that.
0: So then what you did outside of that, everybody talks about learning the new skills and how difficult that is. How difficult is it to unlearn the old habits (laughs) that you've been doing for 15 years or whatever, uh, playing Gaelic football, and then practice a new skill? Because that's not really talked about that often. And was that frustrating at times that you're like, revert back to type when you do go under stress, when there are defenders coming at you or you're fatigued?
1: Yeah, well, I'm actually lucky enough that... um... Since coming to Brisbane Lions, they haven't told me to change my technique too much. Um, So I still kind of naturally hook around the corner on my left and do a kind of Gaelic style kick um, 95% of the time. Um, It's only really this year where I'm straightening up more and hitting them short 45s. But um, yeah, I think that's the exciting part of the Irish players, that they don't want to take away that natural kind of... um, kick that they have and also the way they play the game, like I know my first year I probably never marked it once and I played on every time and it was only I suppose the last two years where I actually marked it and pushed back and maybe rolled on my left or gave a handball and I think that's the exciting part about these um, Irish players coming out and you see it with the likes of other girls like Ash McCarthy, Sarah Rowe, Cora and everyone's doing it and they were all I suppose having, you don't know what they're going to do and you don't know what to expect from the Irish players which I think is kind of um, an extra thing we have um, going on. So it's it's good that um, you can kind of keep other teams on their toes and it's kind of different to what the, I suppose, na- um, norm or natural kind of AFL player would do. So that's exciting for us.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, like it, it sounds like it's quite difficult to defend you out there because like they they're so unfamiliar with an athlete that plays this way. Do you yeah. ever find when you come up against those Irish girls, then that you have a better inclination of what they're going to do than some of the Aussie girls might, even though I know that you don't come up against them in a similar or a contrasting position quite often.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's funny when you see um, them, even the way they set up at times when you, when you come across the way they, they play, you're kind of like, Oh, I do the exact same thing or or things like that, which is, which is funny at times, but um. I think our big thing and what a lot of the um, Australian players have kind of talked about is our running ability and and how how we just kind of get up and down the line. And I think um, my head coach, Craig, actually um, has seen um, a Gaelic football game and he didn't actually realise how much running actually happens in a game, I suppose, because we're running for 60 minutes and we only get half time, but there's no real interchange and um, it's, it's kind of different that way. So I think that's where our kind of running power does come from and the ability to get up and down the field. And um, a lot of the Irish players are naturally very fit when they do come out and it's kind of hard to stop because they just go, go, go all the time. Um, but yeah, I definitely see similarities um, with the way the skills are done. And you can kind of see that they kind of still have that Gaelic kind of style.
0: So obviously with that Gaelic style comes uh, a lot of experience in very high volume of training um, but it sounds like your volume of training is quite high at the moment as well which are 15 to 20 hours a week plus your skill work on top of that yeah so you said there it's the things you're doing outside of training that make you the better athlete but I would imagine especially with the high frequency of training in preseason at the moment it's not even the things that you're doing outside of training in relation to the skill work that's making huge gains but you've got to look after your body and you've got to get your recovery right to be able to train yeah. at such a high frequency so what sort of things are you doing and what sort of resources are available to you as a, a benefit of being with the Brisbane Lions is that something that they focus on with you guys in having you in tip-top shape to train
1: yeah it's definitely um recovery is hugely important and especially as you go into season they harp on about it even more um so at the moment I suppose because there's a lot of us not working as much um we do go to recovery centers and um big on saunas um ice baths um and hot and colds normatech um lots of walks are being done as well um just to fill the day but yeah I think that's a huge part of it and i suppose before training as well that prehab so i suppose doing foam rolling getting a massage whatever it is um and then activating your glutes hammies whatever i suppose individually you need to work on uh, as well as after training as well making sure you're getting fed straight away having your protein shake whatever it is having a good decent night's sleep and i think all these one percent things is what what's what adds up um to success as well as what's done on the field so i'm really big believer in that and hydration as well obviously out here in australia is is huge um so and we have a good group that all the girls are on board with that and and they all take that very seriously and even after a hard heavy saturday session um everyone does the same thing we might all go for breakfast together make sure everyone's eating making sure everyone's hydrating and then Everyone have a nap in the middle of the day and we might meet up in the evening time and go to the cinema, whatever it may be, just relaxing um, and having our downtime too is really important. So um yeah, it's hugely important. And especially I suppose as as you said, like our, our training is getting higher and we are going at a higher intensity, and it'll only get higher when when games start, and it's important to recover quickly because we play every week, so um it's huge.
0: You're gonna get a big gold star from the performance staff there because you just reeled off absolutely everything that they've been telling you to do. I suppose, but what I was going to ask you there because you reeled them all off so well, you're definitely listening yeah. to them in the meetings. But do you have a personal preference in relation to all that stuff? And I was actually going to ask as well, how important is that downtime to you? And I saw you smile when you said you're going for the walks and the coffees and and going yeah. to the cinema. So. Do you find that that stuff is even more crucial than maybe the more specific performance recovery kind of stuff that obviously they're preaching to you guys? But if you're doing that stuff and you're not filling your refilling your cup from other areas, it probably won't do the same job.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know some people might be really good in one area, let's say nutrition, and might be good on the other side, which maybe take an ice bath or whatever it may be. So it's very important to find that balance and everyone's individual and likes to work on um has their own way of recovering. And for me personally, um it's ice baths. As much as I hate them in winter, it, it they're they're really good for me and even getting my shoulder in it now, which which can be hard at times, but mm. um I think it's best for me. Um, as well as having that sleep, hydration, and nutrition. But yeah, a big part of it is, I suppose, being able to switch off and turn away from training and all that side of things. It's very demanding if you keep thinking about it and keep talking about it. And and it um, it might actually wear you out, although you're not even training, you might just be talking about it and you're already wrecked um, from that. So it's really we're really good um, at still staying tight as a group and doing things together that doesn't involve footy. And I think that's what makes us such a good team and is going to make us a good team is that um, we have those proper friendships and relationships outside of just training. And it's funny, um, even on our off days when we're told to go away, reset um, on a Sunday, we, we still all mess each other. Who wants to go for coffee in the morning? Who wants to go for breakfast? He wants to go to whatever it is, a walk. Um, and at the moment, there's lots of, lots of the girls have dogs. So there's lots of dog walks happening, which is, which is fun. But um, yeah, it's really important um, to do that. And I think downtime is very um, crucial part of the sport too.
0: Yeah. And what you're saying is you're going to need a walk or an ice bath after this, because I'm badgering you with questions about training and, and playing, etc. But what I wanted to talk about there because it sounds like you have a great club culture and you're really really close as a group was that something that you were surprised was quite similar to your experience with the GAA in both a club and a county setting um, that you are so close and it sounds like you don't leave each other's side like you're together all the time so is yeah. that very much similar to what we experience in the GAA over here in Ireland
1: yeah there's definitely a lot of similarities especially when you go to college or school with I know like um, some players back home or you might play with the same club you do a lot of things together and you probably all live close to each other as well. Um, when you come out to Australia you realise everything's a lot further away than back in Ireland um, quickly enough but I think for me personally um, I suppose I knew no one coming out here so I had to really learn to develop those friendships and, and trust um, my teammates from the start and I remember in my first year I, I used to just say yes to going to everything just I suppose to to get to get to know people better and it's it's not just about getting to know them at training and you need to get to know them outside of that too and definitely having an off season and going out of it getting to know each other is, is important too but um yeah, no, it's, that, it's similar back home and that's what I love about the team here is that we are so close and it was the same back the Tipperary as well. The girls were all so close um, meeting up as well outside of training, whether it's going for coffees again, that seems to be the, the big thing at the moment and, and cafes too, but um, it's definitely a big part of what makes the team successful and um, I think um, as well as that, it's not just the players but also with the staff too and having good relationships with them and, it's really important for me personally to get to know my coaches and head coaches and staff and physio because you're, you're trusting them um, as much as you're trusting your teammates and um, our coaches and staff are, are very good at that. And I think that's what makes them so approachable and that's um, what makes um, us so successful too.
0: So as a group being so close then, do you do much talking as a group as in relation to what your specific goals are for the year because obviously the year before last you won the grand final won the whole thing and then last year getting defeated in the preliminary final unfortunately have you spoken about what your goals are for this season yet or you probably leave or maybe you're leaving that to a couple of weeks before the season starts
1: um, yeah, no, it's definitely um, a conversation we've had um, even after that prelim final, as much as as hard as it was to watch back. Um, we've done our review and talked through it um, a week after we lost and kind of parted there and we kind of set aside what, I suppose, that we don't want to be in this position again and we want to get to a grand final and that's the ultimate goal. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot more to talk about it this pre-season put regarding not want to be in that position again. And um, I think, specifically after having that success um, in 2021 um, or in that grand final and winning that premiership and then to lose a prelim year, it does does take a lot out of it and you realise it's not the same and you just want to get back to um, being in that position again of being in the grand finals. So hopefully that's the plan this year and we go well with um, our group stages and kind of don't take any team for granted and kind of step up and play as best we can each game and hopefully get to some finals
0: very diplomatic answer there good job um, <laughs> but yeah like that you have to talk about it if you're going to go and achieve yeah. it I suppose and and that would be something that is similar to, G, to the GAA but maybe not in a way that Irish people can be a little bit modest and bashful and not talk about the ultimate prize at times because you could be seen as cocky if you're talking about going winning championships etc so are there many differences in the culture around that kind of goal setting that you see between the AFL and the GAA? And if not there, what are the other major differences that you see between the two codes? Obviously, one being professional, it's going to have a lot more resources, but what could be brought from the AFL, W and learned and brought back to the GAA and implemented to improve the standard of the game and improve just the delivery of everything over here?
1: Um, Yeah, it's a good question. And I think um, in the last few years, we've definitely seen um, a step up with the GA, especially women's sports with regards to camogie and ladies football. And to be honest, I I always get asked that question when I come back, like what are the differences? What can we do better? And um, it's very similar in a way, um, considering it's amateur back home. Everyone's still working full time or they're they're in college or school and still training just as, as much as they are here as you said, like the big difference probably is just the resources um, available because it's a very professional support out here. And having that access to doctors, physios, podiatrists, um, nutritionists, whatever it is, having more of a quicker access to that is probably the biggest difference. um, The team is is pretty much still the same. I think both teams I've been involved in back home and also here, culture is very strong and there's um, a good, connection which I think is really important and everyone kind of trusts each other and has respect for each other and there's no real kind of there's no one that really like stands out or takes away from that everyone has a voice and everyone is the leader in their own way which I think is really important um but yeah I think outside of that it's it's very similar and I think a lot of girls here if they do come over to Ireland and see they'd see um how similar they are and um, how much that the GA does um, does do re- regarding it's only an amateur sport, which I think is 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 great.
0: I'm gonna ask you a tough one now, um, because <laughs> in the over the last week on Twitter and over the last couple of months, I suppose there have been people talking about ladies Gaelic football and how it probably needs a couple of rule changes in relation to the allowances towards a bit of physicality in the game. And obviously we've talked about physicality and how you're playing a much more physical sport over in Australia, but would you see any benefit to the GAA and ladies Gaelic football if they did bring in maybe more of an allowance towards contact, but not to the same degree, obviously as AFL, would it increase the entertainment value? Do you think, and would it be beneficial? And this is completely up to your personal preference as well. And I apologise for asking <laughs> a really tough question.
1: No, that, that's OK. Um, well, personally, for me, I, I think it would be a great idea. Um, I know in recent years, um, back home, GA, um, especially Ladies Football and Camogie, has become a, a lot more professional in the aspect of every girl's doing gym now a couple times a week they're doing a lot more intense training and they're pushing themselves they're probably treating themselves like a professional athlete um with regards diet nutrition training what they do outside of training recovery um and I don't think it's been rewarded for on the field when you can't I suppose have that physicality as much as you can and um girls are getting stronger and a lot of girls do want to are pushing for big numbers in the gym and I know a lot of girls who do lift heavy and can bench heavy and can squat heavy and I suppose they're not getting to really show that they are that more powerful stronger athlete and they're not getting rewarded for it by let's say getting a free against them or getting a yellow card or whatever it may be and I think the game is evolving and you can probably see it with the men's um now especially with the likes of I suppose the All-Ireland Final, which was just on um, with Limerick, and how about how big and strong and tall they are, compared to, let's say, the All-Ireland Final that would have been on 10, 15 years ago. Um, I suppose the athletes just completely changing now, and I think it's because we have access to all these gyms, and people are more educated about nutrition and about strength and conditioning, and they want to be better as athletes, and I think it's really important that they are rewarded for that on the field by having that bit more of physicality and it definitely does make it more entertaining I think when as much as people love seeing goals in AFLW and good marks nothing gets the crowd going more than a rundown tackle or or a big hit and it really drives the team as well and drives um, the intensity up a notch which I think is really important and I think it really adds entertainment for um, the people in attendance too and for the team itself I
0: 100% agree with you. I think they're allowing the lads to be a little bit yeah, more good. physical. Uh, so yeah. why not the ladies? Like, um, And as you said, like yeah. the calibre of athlete that's there and they're trying to grow the game there too. So I think it's probably time for a rule change given that the rules have yeah. been in place for many, many, many years, long before me and you were alive. Um, so they, they need to change it. They need to adapt with the times, as you're saying. Um, But then like there have been some comments about the AFLW and uh, in the past, and I'm not even going to rehash them here, but they've been less than favorable comments. I suppose they haven't been too positive around what it offers to the GAA, but there definitely are benefits that the AFLW offers to GAA and, athlete and Irish athletes are. Um, so what do you think that those benefits are? Is it that professional pathway for young girls into being a professional athlete? Uh, or are there any other ones that you can think of?
1: Um, yeah, um, obviously there's yeah lots of talks about it and a lot more players, especially this year you can see a big more with the new teams as well. There's more Irish players coming out, um, which is great to see. Um, and for me personally, I, I yeah, as you said, it, it is that professional side of things. Um as much as everyone loves playing with their county and and, and football, which 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 I love playing as well, to have the opportunity to get paid get paid to play a sport is phenomenal. And um how quickly the AFLW has grown and even this year with a 94% um pay rise um is huge and I think they want to professional by 2026, which is which is great for women's sport, not just in Australia but globally as well. Um And as you said, like that part of it, it's kind of every athlete's dream to get paid to play. So having that and having, even when I came out here at the start, seeing professional life, what it's like, and seeing all the resources you have and the gyms and the training and what everything looks like, it's just real breathtaking. It's a real good environment to be around. And especially GA players not getting to even travel as much and go on j ones. They usually have to give up their summers or they can't go traveling because they're in championship as well but to actually get to come to Australia and live on another side of the world and kind of be more independent. And I think as much as um, I've gotten, I suppose, to become a good athlete and to learn a new sport, I've also become a lot more independent, I suppose, with living out of home and living with teammates and just being in a different country and kind of um, taking that responsibility on yourself is huge. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely beneficial. And although I hear like some managers or coaches talk about how it's kind of ruining the game back home. I think they should really applaud um, how well the Irish players are doing out here as they've kind of given them that base with their power, speed, skills, and then for Irish players to come out and I suppose get playing straight away and not even have to wait a couple of years sometimes like the men do and play straight away um, is definitely a credit to management back home um, who have developed these kind of um, GA players into AFLW players.
0: Yeah, and they should use it as a positive. I suppose that they've made a big impact on that player's athletic yeah. development, and like at the same time, you don't hear it in relation to other sports. Like you don't hear people saying, oh, it's to pity Robbie Henshaw's playing with the Irish rugby team and he's not playing with Westmead." You know, like so they're <laughs> they're happy for them to go on in the men's game into professional sport, but then some people maybe are being a little bit close-minded. But it's new, I guess. And as you said, there's a number of new recruits going over, Irish rookies, and you've just spoken about two components of that move. So what would be your advice to those new recruits going over and any young girls with aspirations of going to play in Australia, firstly, in relation to what they're doing on the field, and secondly, in relation to what they're doing off the field and all the new experiences that it's going to bring in that regard as well?
1: Um, I suppose on the field... um... I think a big thing is um just kind of taking the train as it comes. Don't be too hard on yourself with breaking down drills, as I said, or not understanding things. So I suppose taking the time to ask those questions if you don't understand something or ask a teammate and um still just staying with it and just um knowing that it will get easier, I think is the main thing on field and off the field as I said, um it's really important just to get to know your teammates get to know your staff who you're working with who's working for you what, what that's about and not just buy into just the training side of things but also um, the whole club as a whole because at the end of the day it is a business it is um, a big organization with lots of people involved so getting to know them and I think a big thing for me is living with teammates um, that has definitely helped me a lot if I compared to living with if I lived on my own or lived with people that weren't teammates I think my experience would have been a lot more different Um, and you quickly learn that those players become your best friends um living with them and getting to do everything together is um, a good part of it so I think that's an important part too
0: and say yes to every excursion (laughs) outside of it as well
1: keep inviting you then (laughs) yeah
0: okay I'm sure they'll get plenty of coffees in, same as yourself, in the cafes and sit-down chats. But for now, we will move on to quickfire questions. So the first one is proudest achievement to date.
1: Um, I probably have two, I'm gonna say. Um, so I think winning the grand final um against Adelaide Crows in Adelaide Oval and also winning the intermediate. All-Ireland ladies football finally against me in 2019 was huge as well. I just like playing in big stadiums and winning, winning on big days is huge to me. <laughs>
0: I'm sure, yeah, there were similar experiences Like and, and those days you don't forget very quickly. And we'll give a shout out to our mutual friend Megan Ryan who, when you won oh, that, yeah. that game in Adelaide, was told yeah. by the security to get down off the pillars when she was up uh, started trying to get you over and uh, get your attention. But she did get your attention anyway. So I suppose that was a win for her.
1: She was probably the loudest play, loudest um, person in Adelaide Oval that day, I reckon. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. Next one is favourite athlete of all time.
1: Um. Yeah, this one was interesting. Um, I'd probably say Casey Taylor. And I think growing up, I haven't, I I suppose I wasn't that big on watching athletes since four when I think about younger, but since Katie Taylor has had our success, how much she has changed women's sports. And I remember even my aunties and um going off to her homecoming and women just crying after she won about what she's done for women's sports is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and it's not the first time she's been named as well. Like she's 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 the sports person that makes me cry the most as <laughs> well I've always. <laughs> And crying when she's on and she's winning things because she's constantly progressing like she's never stopped she's yeah. always been doing more and more and more and like just when you reflect back on the fact that she had to pretend to be a boy initially so that she could box it's like it's crazy, crazy. how far she's took the sport uh, and female sport in general next one is artist you've been listening to a lot recently
1: um yeah, I think I'm kind of going back more old school. Dude, this is a lot of Rihanna, old Rihanna. Going away to training. <laughs> What's yeah. the song then
0: that you're going for? Are you going for Pondy Replay, Umbrella, or is it any yeah. of the... What was the one she recorded up in Belfast? It was a dance track. <laughs> she did a video for it, I remember it was in, It was on the news, <laughs> on the RT61.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely a mixture of everything, depending on the vibe and if we're going to training or coming home from training
0: (laughs) yeah and it pleases everyone I'm sure as well so like there's no going wrong with that with Rihanna um what's the (laughs) biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months
1: um I think personally for me it's probably just to control the controllables um a lot of the time especially in the last year I've tried to control things that I physically can't when I let's say when I got injured or or, um things that came up and I think it's just important to look at what's ahead of you and what you can control and not try and just change everything
0: <laughs> super great message there for everybody and then lastly what would you tell your 18 year old self
1: oh. <laughs> um I think the big thing I'd probably tell myself when I'm 18 is that I suppose life isn't just like a straight line and it, 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 there's different paths of getting to where you want to get um For me, when I was back in school, I remember 18, doing my leaving, so I wanted to get good points. wanted to become a PE teacher, wanted to be a PE teacher off in the summers and then still playing camogie and football. And I had this straight line of what way I wanted my life to look. And if I saw myself now doing a complete 360, I suppose not finishing that degree, starting something else, being over in Australia, playing sport and getting paid for it, um, it's definitely, yeah, completely changed. And I think there's lots of different avenues of success and getting where you want to get. And don't be drawn back by something that comes up in the meantime.
0: Absolutely. Like, and it, it never goes in a straight line, but at the same time that could still happen, I suppose, given that yeah. they're helping you with your studies <laughs> over in Australia. And I would say the other piece of advice you'd, you'd give would probably be hold on to that Australian passport with your life. Uh,
1: definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Since COVID and everything, oh, it's just been, yeah definitely been a blessing to have that and not have to deal with all exemptions and travel exemptions for sure
0: (laughs) yeah and hopefully this time around you'll get home for christmas with the new season the way that it's structured and it'll be played off before that so best of luck with the new season best of luck to the rest of the squad in brisbane as well hopefully you can go one better than last year or two better and go and win win the final again thanks a million for coming on great message there for all young athletes gaelic footballers afl players or aussie rules players any sport any code and uh look after the shoulder and look after yourself and we're all proud of what you're doing so hopefully another all australian team this year
1: great thanks so much for having me as well